Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. We haven't done stats in a while, but uh, not today either. Uh, no, 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 sir. Today is all about... Uh, today is all about... Um, Headlines and shit, bullshit stuff. We have are finally trying to catch up on now that uh, Super Bowl is behind us. The NFL season is slowed down. We're gonna try to get back to twice a week recording. We'll see. Um, One or two. And um, baseball had not yet started up, so we can finally start to like catching up. So first things first. Uh, a topic we've been putting off for forever because it just never was that pressing to get to. MLB Hall of Fame voting. Um, MLB Hall of Fame voting, which happened months ago at this point, but we never... And Scott Rowland was the only guy who got who got in surprised. So there's not like a ton to say. We talked about Scott Rowland's case in the past, and he made it in by, like, I think literally six votes. But cool. What's interesting, as we always do at the end of um, a given year's ballot, is talk about what it looks like for next year's. So now, before we get to the guys who are new to next year's ballot, um, the guys who fell off this year, who get once again, if you receive under 5% of the total vote pool, you fall off the ballot. So those guys who fell off are Houston Street, Bronson Arroyo, Mike Napoli, John Lackey. Wow, I can't believe he's been retired for five years already. R.A. Dickey, Yanni Peralta, J.J. Hardy, Andre Ethier, Jacoby Ellsbury, Matt Kane, Jared Weaver, and Jason Wirth. Is there anybody there that you're surprised fell off in their first year? Um, in their first year, Jared Weaver maybe like right on the edge of that. Just like even Lackey votes. Uh, not even Lackey. I think R.A. Dickey warranted some votes. I as I in, see... as the like Mount Rushmore premier. You know him. I know. I can't remember who the first. Uh, big time knuckleballer was, but uh R.A. Dickey was kind of that guy for forever. And I mean he won a fucking Cy Young. I know that's not a a, a big deal for the Hall of Fame when that's really a single Cy Young is as a mountaintop for a career. Um but come on, give him some run. Give the knuckleballer some run. I I think he is like the poster child for comebacks because that's the other thing about R.A. Dickey's career is that he won his Cy Young at age 37 on his third team yeah uh and then and then hung around for five years after that you know um which was a a 20 win season he led baseball in uh batter's face led the national league in games started complete games shutouts uh innings pitched and strikeouts which is like fucking nuts but he is a relatively like low war dude because the rest of his career was kind of eh. uh you mentioned jared weaver uh him falling off with 34.6 baseball reference wars is uh, yeah whatever um john lackey 37.3 which uh yeah i guess i mean i figured the three world series rings would have helped <laughs> You know, I, I I guess they didn't. But you have to remember, he's an asshole. Oh, is he? I didn't know that about him. I'm pretty sure John Lackey's like a big asshole. Yeah. Really? Okay. Really Google John Lackey asshole. You're going to get a lot of pictures of that man's butthole. I'm telling you that right now. No, I don't know if they're out there like that. 
Um, uh, the first result is 105th piece of evidence. Lackey is an asshole. <laughs> well, they're categorizing them and they go all the way to 105. That's probably if you have the, a tally uh, going. Damn. Yeah. Someone's got a very extensive Google Drive somewhere dedicated to just this man. Uh, one other person I did want to ask about that fell off. I don't want to spend like too I'm much sorry. time on this. I'm sorry, hole. I have to read this, uh, this oh, go for first it. paragraph. Uh, uh, so like the first paragraph is just like an intro to like the, the game background, the setup for this. The start of the second paragraph, the piece, like the core of the article. So Lackey threw a shit pitch and yelled at Bethancourt to run. Nice. But testicle face wasn't done yet. I, this is not ESPN. This is not, you know, not some hard hitting illustrated, but goddamn, <laughs> took me out. <laughs> so, one other person I want to talk about real quick who felt about though is Houston Street. And I want to talk about Houston Street because it is still difficult to talk about closers with a full breadth and understanding of how they are meant to get into the Hall of Fame. Because so Houston Street is 20th, 20th most saves in baseball history. Uh, number one and number two on the list, and actually, I think number three as well, are all already in the Hall of Fame. Mariana Rivera, number one, no shit. Uh, number two, Trevor Hoffman, also in the Hall of Fame. Um, number three. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Lee Smith did get in. OK, I thought he did. I just didn't remember if I made up the headline or not. And then number four, number four is Francisco Rodriguez, uh, K-Rod, who um, will be up on the ballot. Oh, I thought he'd be up on the is Actually, he might have. Is he on the ballot now? Yes. Oh, this was his first year and he got 10.8 percent of the vote. OK, so this is a good this is a good question. So K-Rod, fourth most saves. In baseball history, uh, about 11% of the vote to get into the Hall of Fame. Houston Street, 20th most saves in baseball history, fell off the ballot in his first year with one single vote, 0.3%. One single vote. Now, this is not an argument pro or anti-closer. I should say relief pitcher making the Hall. Because that, I think, is a separate discussion. But since we already have three closers in the Hall of Fame, under the auspices that they were closers, what is the criteria supposed to be? Because I would think if you're the 20th best at something, at your position's ability in baseball history, that would probably warrant more than one single vote. But I get that I, I, but I get that it's it's more niche, so you might need to bump up the tally. But then if K-Rod, who's fourth most, isn't getting 20% of the vote or some shit like that, it's kind of like, what what are the rules? Do you have an, any thoughts on, on this? I'm, I'm not familiar with Houston Street to begin with, um, so I can't really say that I am... I, I can't say I've seen him pitch, so I don't know if, you know, this is just me looking at baseball reference and forming an opinion. The way I said that, it, that's actually exactly what I'm doing, but I, I can't provide anything else. Rookie of the year, two-time All-Star, and 
no bold ink on here. You know, like I understand you cannot base someone off of this. And as a closer, he's not getting the same weight as far as, you know, his 14.5 career war. But nothing here is screaming like Hall of Famer. Like I get he was 20th in MLB in saves, but it's a position with a lot of turnover where you're not going to have, you know, how many guys outside of the big ones that we've named have stayed at closer for their entire career without spending a good chunk of it at, you know, attempting to be a starter, um, moving up and down the, you know, order in the bullpen. I'm just trying to find some evidence here or some, some no, reason I, why. I think you're right. <sighs> I, I, because this is the weird thing about talking about closers making the Hall of Fame as closers is that the metrics inherently are less impressive. Like the only one who comes close is Mariano Rivera, who, despite spending his entire 20 something year career as a closer, still racked up 56 fucking war, which is like ridiculous. But and he's but he's a, you know, Wayne Gretzky, Tiger Woods caliber of guy for his position. Absolutely. Like no one comes close. And so that brings so I and I agree a hundred percent that Houston Street is like unimpressive. No black ink. There's no story behind Houston Street where you go like, oh my God. Remember when he came back from that or that big out inning he had in the World Series? There's none of that, right? But that's what makes K-Rod a little bit more interesting to me with his eleven percent, is that he led MLB in uh or led uh, the American League in games played once. He led his league in uh, games finished three times, led in saves three times, uh, finished top five in Cy Young voting three times. And while those first two metrics aren't like anything stupendous, I mean, leading in games played and games finished is kind of like whatever. Um the latter two, I'm not sure how much weight to assign to them and how, you know what I mean? It, it's such a weird conversation to have because like the war numbers are smaller, which we accept for positions like catcher because you don't play as many games and there's not as much opportunity. And generally catchers are worse hitters, which leads to the Hall of Fame catchers that make the Hall of Fame usually having lower war than the 60 standard that we think of, right? Which is fine. We've all accepted that. If we're going to do that for closers, what what are the numbers? And like K-Rod was such a guy. Like K-Rod was such a guy when he was playing. Mm-hmm. So I I would think that there'd be a clear case for him. Because if he doesn't get in, I don't know who else does. That's a closer. You know what I mean? Um Wow. Um, that's a very fair question. Am I muted? No, you're good. I hear you. Interesting. So that button was uh, Um, I can't think of like I. I want to look at the saves list to actually be able to come up with names. I can tell you right. So the saves list is top four: Mo, Hoff, Lee Smith, and K. Rod, and then it's John Franco, Billy Wagner, Craig Kimbrell. Kenley Jansen. So we got we got two active guys there. 
Uh, and it's interesting because it's Dennis Eckersley who is in the Hall of Fame, but also spent like a good chunk of his career as as a starting pitcher. Um, which is ironic because the only Cy Young he won, he won as a closer. <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. go figure. Eck has a weird career. Um, where was uh, fuck? I lost when, the list. Uh, seven. Joe Nathan. Sorry, that's the last name for oh, it yeah. on the top ten. Joe Nathan. Continue. I think Kimbrell gets in just off of this this top of the list without digging deeper yet. I think Kimbrell gets in. I don't think Jansen would. And they have I the really, same number of, of uh years played and they're the same age and they are apart by three saves. Wow. That's fascinating. Really? Yeah. And it's crazy because Kimbrell's got the accolades. And it's nuts because not, Jansen has series ring. Jansen has 80 more innings pitched and a lower career war. Interesting. Interesting. Man. Interesting. And then you get down to Fernando Rodney. <laughs> and I just don't know what to think. Because he's been a name the for pitcher of all time. seemingly. Yeah, like the yeah. seemingly the entirety of my life. And there's nothing here that, like, yeah, he's got a lot of saves. He's got a fair amount of innings pitched. Fernando Rodney Hall of Famer just is like a punch in the face. There's no way. We need, like, an Irving G. Thalberg award, but for the Hall of Fame. You know, like, ah, fuck. No, we, or, uh, the the Oscars, you know, they, they uh, uh, we, we, we never gave Hitchcock an award. Oscar. How do we make up for this now that he's almost dead? Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Awards. Get on up there, buddy. It's shaped just like an Oscar, but it's you didn't win anything. I'm going to look into this because uh, I don't... like. I, I know they have their honorary awards. I don't remember that one. And I watch the Oscars every year. Uh, is also... I picked Hitchcock specifically because he, that is the shortest Oscar acceptance speech on record because he was furious that he had never won an Oscar and they were scorning him by just throwing like pitying him by giving him the the uh the honorary award and his speech was simply thank you. He never fully Steven stepped behind the podium. He just kind of like leaned in and walked away. And by contrast, he gave a lovely speech at the AFI Awards and they honored him with a lifetime achievement award. Um, <laughs> though his legacy is now very complicated because of his I am a horrible, horrible piece of shit <laughs> um reputation that has what was, what was the name of that actress? I kind of sparked all that. Um, there are many from the birds. Tippy Hedren. Thank you. Tippy Hedren was the first actress I knew by name because her name is ridiculous. Her name is the name of a Harry Potter character. I've never once thought about that, but yes, you are correct. Yeah. Any, anywho. So we don't have to get bogged down in that. Those are the guys who fell off. Um, we will, I'm sure, resume this conversation next year when we see if Francisco Rodriguez's um, voting goes up or down. Um, other notable dudes in their first year is really just Carlos Beltran, who got 46.5% of the vote, which leads you to believe in year one, if that's what he got, he's probably going to make it eventually. His legacy is like mildly complicated from the... Astros cheating scandal, but I think he benefits from having that be quite literally 
the last season of his career. So you can look at the entire season, the entire career he had up to then and be like, well, fucking even if he cheated, I mean, who cares? Like it was one season um, and he's very well liked. So I would think he makes it. Uh, Jeff Kent also falls off, which um, mm. one of those borderline dudes, you know, 55 career war, um, 377 home runs, which is cool. 2,461 hits, which is which is great. Um but, you know, just very right there in between or, or uh, ju- just at the upper echelon of the Hall of Very Good, but just below the Hall of Fame, um, which is why he is not in there. Uh, Gary Sheffield also is, will be entering his last year next year, 55 percent of the vote. Um, one would have thought that he would be a little bit closer at this point, but steroids obviously is a big factor there. Seventy. Yeah. 70- Five percent. Uh, Gary Sheffield. Oh, to make it in, yes, to make it in. Yeah, yeah, you need seventy-five percent of the vote. Um, all right. So then that brings us to just uh, a look forward to next year's voting. Uh, the new guys, the new guys on the ballot is extensive and fun. Um, up for the first time, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Chase Utley. David Wright, Bartolo Colon, Matt Holliday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Bautista, Jose Reyes, Victor Martinez, James Shields, Brandon Phillips, Denard Spann, Chase Headley's been out of the league this long? Jesus. Giovanni Gallardo, Doug Fister. Doug Fister? Oh, my God. We're now entering the, the, the Legion here where it's like, oh, my God, that guy. Um Brad Ziegler, Ryan Madsen, Phil Hughes, Brandon Morrow, Chris Tillman, Jim Johnson, and San Diego Castilla. Castilla. Um, just a bunch of fun fucking names. Uh, so Adrian Beltre is getting in like nobody's fucking problem, right? The man has 93 yeah. and a half career war. He's modern day inner circle Hall of Famer. Um it shouldn't even be a question. It's like not even worth talking about him, although he's so much fun. Joe Maurer is an interesting case because of the exact thing we were talking about a little bit earlier, which is catchers usually have a lower barometer for how they must perform to make the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Although it is interesting because Joe Maurer had to switch from catcher to uh, first base. However, to that, however, he didn't do that full time until like. I don't know, 10 years into his fucking career. Um, so I don't think it should count. He, I, I think for a catcher, this is about as easy as a, of a case as it ever gets. Um, Maybe like Buster Posey up there, right at that level. I, yeah, I mean, exactly. Even if we're looking Buster at, Posey, a guy we're talking about who is not yet eligible for the Hall of Fame. But will be in... Oh my god, two years? That's absolutely insane. Buster Posey is going to be a really interesting case because Joe Maurer has actually a lot more war than Buster does, but I would say that Buster has okay, he's got more hardware. Let's talk about let's talk about Maurer. Three gold gloves, three batting titles, three batting titles as a catcher, five silver sluggers, six-time all-star, and an MV fucking P. Uh he led. Uh, the league in batting average three times. Those are the three batting titles. Yeah. OBP twice slugging once OPS once OPS plus once. Um, 
won one MVP and received votes in four additional years, three of which were uh, top 10 finishes, one of which was another top four, uh, top five finish. Um, and led MLB in sack flies one year. The, the most important stat, truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting because like the home run count is like so low, as is the hit total, but it's also given the position, who fucking cares, you know? Yeah, like honestly, like home run totals, I could understand some concern. They're very low, and players in this era hit a lot of home runs. Fuck off with the hits. He has over 2,000 hits. Short my balls. It is wild to see a man who had three batting titles never finish with more than 200 hits in a season. Not to say that hitting 200, getting 200 hits in a season is easy, but it is funny that a guy with a batting title never hit 200. Good old rest days. Yeah, and just, I guess, an era of lighter hitting. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I think uh, Joe Maurer is probably a, a pretty pretty good lock, I would think. Yeah, um, maybe not first ballot, but as close as you could be. I think like he would be 60 to 75% first ballot. I would really hope he's a first ballot guy only because there's only 14 guys being carried over to next year which is a pretty small amount given the 10 person maximum. And if you consider the guys who might not get repeat votes, uh, the, 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 all the guys below 20%, which mm-hmm. is Omar, Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Burley, K rod and Tory Hunter. There's a lot of room for the first bout ball- first time ballot guys. Um, I don't know. We'll see. What do you make of chase Utley? I think he is a really great inner circle hall of very good. That's a very funny way of putting it. (laughs) I just like, I think him and to a lesser extent, David Wright, it's a, yeah, you guys were really great, but you never were. You were just never it. You were never the guy. You never, I don't know. Like, yeah, Chase Utley was a franchise cornerstone for the Phillies. Okay. He's interesting because his peak was one of the best second basemen in the game at the time and like of his era. But every season that was not his peak was kind of just like, yeah, whatever. So second baseman. Here's his war by season. Okay, starting at the start of his career, 03. Okay, he played in 43 games, which barely counts. So here's his war every year from that 03, 0.3 war, 04, 2.3. And then here comes the peak, baby 05, 7.3. He gained five war in one season, 06, 7.3, 07, 7.8, 08, 9, 09, 8.2. Ridiculous. And then 2010, 5.8 is still really fucking good. 2011, 3.8, rock solid. 2012, 3.1, solid. 2013, 3.6. 2014, uh, 3.7. 2015, negative 0.2. Then it goes to the Dodgers, 2015, 0.5. 2016, 0.3. 2017, 0.4. 2018, 0.4. 2019, 0.5. 2020, 0.5. 2021, 0.5. 2022, 0.5. 2023, 0.5
2016, uh, 1.2, 2017, 0.9, 2018, negative 0.1. But that run, man, from 05 so, to 2010 is insane for a second baseman so let me put it this way if you know you need 10 years to be eligible for the hall of fame indeed if you took the 10 years from 2004 through 2014 and he retired in 2014 where he had you know a rookie year learning the ropes and then a massive peak and then a very good player through the you know rest of his career I think he will warrant an almost better case because you have that level of, oh, he. what if he kept playing? Like, he never had that fall off, and mentally I think that makes a difference. Because that 10-year peak, he's averaging 6.5 war, or sorry, 5.6 war per season over 10 years. That's a really good career. I I think because he was such a guy, which again, it feels like a silly thing to say, but you have to understand baseball Hall of Fame voting. Exactly. Being being a guy is like a huge, huge plus for a voter. And because and Chase had Chase Headley. Chase Utley was the fucking like he was a he was a blue collar second baseman. You know what I mean? Like this makes no sense, but he was he was the um the Bruce Springsteen of second baseman. <laughs> he might as well have been like having the fucking bandana out of the back pocket on second base. The man the man was 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 if you told sure. me he starred in the sandlot, I believe you. Which is funny because he is from Pasadena, California. Um <laughs> The stats on Udley, uh, career war of 64.5, which passes our 60 war threshold that we often consider. Uh, hits under 2000, 1885, but home runs, especially for a second baseman, is a lot with 259. Uh, career OPS plus, however, is 117, which is not the highest. But again, when, man, when you look at that peak, it is fucking something. Um yeah, I, I mean, there's that, and that's a funny thing about looking at his, like his baseball reference page because numbers wise, there's not a lot of black ink. You know, he led the National mm-hmm. League in runs scored once, and then led baseball and hit by pitches three times, which is like whatever. Um, I have a feeling he gets in, but I have a feeling there's going to be no fewer than five articles written about it. So, um. Well, uh, really, in today's baseball journalism, that's nothing. There's going to be no more than 500 articles written about it. Um, I don't. I don't think he's going to be a first ballot guy, but I, th- I think he eventually gets in. I'm kind of right there with you. Um, I think it's a coin flip whether or not he gets in. Maybe tails side of a coin flip because tails never fails. Um, tails never fails. Stomping on figurines. Hmm. Uh, the just an always sunny bit. Deep that, cut, if you will. I didn't even hear it though. What was it? Oh, cut to stomping on figurines. Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, and you mentioned this next guy, and we're we're not gonna talk about all of them because that's stupid. We're gonna talk about the interesting ones and the interesting ones alone. 
um, which is why we also skipped Adrian Beltre because it's not interesting to talk about a man who has 93.54. Like, is he going to make it in? The answer is yes. Um, <laughs> David Wright. David Wright is a tough one because I think he's a guy everyone is going to want to vote for. But I also don't quite know how you do. I I disagree. I don't want to vote for David Wright to be a Hall of Famer. Like, I almost feel bad putting him and Chase Utley in that same category previously. Because looking at the year-to-year breakdown, looking at the numbers, it, it, it shouldn't be the same level of comparison. Like, it's it's apples to, like, an apple that fell off the tree in an orchard and just kind of, it's a little old. Like, it's just, yeah, he was a really good all-around player and team leader. He was that guy, but it was almost a emptier shell of that guy than Chase Utley was. It really, he really was such a what if he could just stay healthy guy because you can see that fluctuation in his year-over-year war. I'll do this again as well. Starting in 04, 2.2, 05, 4.8, 06, 4.1, 07, 8.3, 08, 6.9, 09, 3.2, 2010, 2.8, 11, 2.1, 2012, 7.2, then 2014, 2.1, 2015, 0.6, 2016, 0. And then he tried to come back for two games in 2018. Obviously finished with no war as well. And you can kind of see like that, that, you know, getting real good, uh, dip down with some of the i think the initial back issue stuff plus just some just some pullback that's natural uh came back you know in, in 2012 great seasons in 2012 2013 and then just dies off again and his you know looking at his career numbers career war under 50 and career home runs or sorry career hits also under 2000 career home runs 242 which is great but it with with how up and down he was and how incomplete his career looks, it's it's a tough sell, I think, for Hall of Fame. I'm trying to think about like comparing it to Koufax, who had this crazy high peak and retired without <sighs> enough war from our considerations and all that. But the difference between a guy like Koufax and a guy like Wright is that Koufax's career, his peak, was the best pitcher who ever lived up to that point. And David Wright's peak was like a really good third baseman, <laughs> you know, and it's it's unfortunate. And, but this this is who I would describe as inner circle hall of very good. I think he's inner circle hall of whatever. Like Koufax, like uh, it's a tough comparison because he did show us that for, you know, relatively how continuous amount of time like there was enough sample size there for you to know oh he's an inner circle guy yeah david wright had two exceptional years a couple really good years but like i don't know it's a what if i don't know if he's inner circle hall of very good i would agree they are going to get less interesting from here because this is uh, sorted by war. So the next guy, how, next guy I'm just dying to talk about, though, the next guy is Bartolo Colon. How do you say it gets less interesting from here and then immediately jump to Bartolo Colon? This is true. On. This is true. Bartolo Colon, Cy Young winner, four-time All-Star, played for 21 years, 
and yet maintained a lowly career hey. war of 46.2. How many career home runs? One baby. Yeah. Who is it against? The Yankees. The San Diego Padres. Fuck. It was a fair day. It doesn't count. It always counts. Baby, it always counts. Um, What's wild is he won Cy Young and 23rd in MVP voting. And he'd fucking deserve what? it. What? Oh, dude, the guy who finished 23rd uh, in... I just I just saw that name. Oh. The guy who tied him for 23rd that year, Houston Street. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, really? Yeah. They were on the same team that year too. Both Angels. Uh Angels, right? Houston Street was Oakland. Oh, okay. I thought it was on the Angels at that point. Damn. Oh, Damn. It says it says Oakland, but Oh, sorry. That's 2005. Yes, that was his rookie year. Gotcha. It's funny because Bartolo Colon played for so long. He played briefly for the Montreal Expos and was with the Angels when they changed from being the Anaheim Angels to the Los Angeles Angels. Jesus. Yeah, that's pretty fucking funny, I must say. Uh it's so funny because I, I, I'm so fascinated by long careers like this that don't necessarily have any peaks. This is the Tommy John conversation where I, a man who pitched absolutely forever, but was never like the third best dude. You know, mm-hmm. he was outside looking in in terms of quality, but he pitched so long. And you have to wonder... You don't have to, but I I occasionally wonder if there is a value we should be ascribing to that. You know, um, like mm-hmm. Bartolo Colon, literally, he led MLB in wins a single time. Uh, sorry, he led the American League in wins. He led MLB in complete games a single time. And he led the National League and in the unfortunate category of hits a single time. Uh Oh, and then he apparently he led the National League in uh, walks per nine twice, um, which good for you, buddy. Uh, like there's there's nothing here. You know, he's got the one Cy Young, three other placings and a total of uh, four all star appearances. Like there's not a I, lot to going on, but I mean, 21 years. Okay. What are you going to say? So he's played for what is it? 14 teams, 12 teams, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11, 12. 21 seasons, 12 teams. When you picture Bartolo Colon, who is it with? Because for some reason, for me, it's the New York Mets. Why is it the Mets? Because that's where the team he was on when we were like coming into baseball, and that's the team he hit his home run with. uh, It's definitely got to be the home run then, yeah. Like that's last of, of, his, year. of his 21 career seasons in, in the bigs. That's the, that's the, the highlight we've all seen the most. Oh, for sure. Or, or the highlight of him getting a, a soft grounder up the first baseline, scooping it up and then shoveling it, it from his glove behind his back to first, sure. which he also did with the Mets. What about the one of him absolutely raking against like eight year olds uh, back in uh, the Domin- uh, Dominican Republic? 
Uh, believe it or not, he was with Atlanta at that point because he was scouting for them. That's a joke about how Atlanta likes to uh, scout underage talent, which they have been fined for in the past. Yeah, very heady joke. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not uh, as smart as your other baseball podcast friends. Yeah, tune into what I don't have a good podcast name off. If I had a good podcast name for a baseball podcast, this podcast name would be different. So, <laughs> <laughs> keeping it a hundred percent honest here. Um, do you let's put right, let's change it from do does he get into the hall of fame to something different? Does he get more than five percent of the vote? <laughs> um, he should for that home run alone, absolute pimp job. Um, does he? Get more than five percent. Probably. I don't think for longer than like a year or two. Well, he just probably be out in right? Say again. What what percentage you get voted out with? Is it just your ten years, or if you get no, because you have to be. What percent do you get voted out with? Yeah. What, you have to you clear have to, at least five percent. Okay, so that's why you asked five percent. Yes. yes, I think he. I think he makes it on for a second season. I'm like, I, I think, I don't think he does. Ooh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really. Go- I'll say yes. I'll say yes. He will, because funny fat man hit a home run, and that's it's enough sometimes. That, exactly. Um, all right. The next guy is another interesting case. Again, we're only talking about the interesting ones. So the next guy is Matt Holiday. And I say it's an interesting case because he did spend a decent amount of his time at DH. Now, Matt Holiday, 44.5 career war, seven time All Star, four time Silver Slugger, won the 2011 World Series, has a batting title, and was the NLCS MVP once. Um, he finished second in MVP voting and received votes in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of his 15 seasons. Um, he has blocked ink in only one year. It's 2007, which was his second place vote finish where he led the national league in hits, doubles, RBIs, batting average, and total bases. However, there's some cores effect going on there. Um, since that's prime cores effect years. He had a career or a war above five in a given season, uh, one, two, th- three times. So it's not like a huge big peak necessarily. But this is interesting to me because with the amount of time he did DH, which is actually a lot less than I thought because he spent most of his career, I thought he spent more years in Oakland than he did. And he did not, he spent a lot more of them in St. Louis. So then he probably doesn't get in. But yeah, never mind. Uh, if he had spent he more does. time at DH, I thought he would have been like an interesting what are the rules around DH candidate kind of people, like like we talked about with David Ortiz. Um, mm-hmm. but obviously to a much lesser extent. But no, no, he didn't he didn't DH almost at all. <laughs> yeah, Does, I, I just don't see him getting in or really staying on. I was about that's what I was gonna add my second question. Do you think he clears the five percent? You say no. I don't think so. All right, I'm gonna pick uh just two more guys, then we'll move on. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, 
43.5 career war. Uh, he was a San Diego Padre for like a handful of years. And for some reason that's his baseball reference picture, but I picture him with the Dodgers. So it's, it's a weird visual dissonance. Um, I think he started with San Diego. He started with the Rangers, then San Diego, then Boston for a year. I do not recall. Um, then the Dodgers then retire with the Mets, which I also do not recall. I remember um, with the Mets because he was old. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds with the Mets pretty pretty nice. Um, mm-hmm. uh, is that the same year Cano was there? Twenty eighteen must have been. I'll get back to you. Yeah, actually, I, I changed my mind. The year Todd Frazier was starting for them. That might be the old man connection. And his Drupal Cabrera. Oh, oh so man, that was just a lot of lot of old guys on this. I was about to say that that's when the Mets shit. were very slow. This was with Jose Batista, Jay Bruce. Oh, that's when the Mets were slow. Slow. Jose Reyes was back on the team. Jonas Cespedes. Old man Jonas Cespedes, I should say. I don't see Robinson Cano. Holy shit, David Wright was still on that team. That I think he was his last two season. Games for them. Yeah. Damn. Um, I also changed my mind. I've nothing to say about Adrian Gonzalez. I thought I was had something to say about Adrian Gonzalez, but I don't think I do. I think he falls off the ballot first year. The last guy that I do wonder about is uh, Josie Bautista. Jose Bautista. How many teams? How many teams do you think he played for in two thousand four? In two thousand four. His rookie year was 2004. How many teams? He played 96 games. How many teams did he play for in 2004? Three teams? Four teams. What? Yeah, he played for four teams in 2004 and played like 90... Oh, sorry. 64 games, 96 played appearances. He played for the 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 Orioles, the Devil Rays, That's the Royals, hundred. and the Pirates. What? Four teams in 2004. Yeah, then he was with the Pirates until 2008 when they traded him to Toronto. And then he played in Toronto from 08 to 2018. And then uh, in 2018, Atlanta, New York, Mets, and Philly all for portions of a season. But it's that stretch that is interesting from, you know, 08 to his, his Toronto years. We should say he has no accolades outside of his Toronto years. Nothing. There's no black ink. There's no awards. All stars. Black eye. That was in Toronto. No, he was with the Rangers then. Oh, he never played for the Rangers. Uh, Odor was playing for the fuck. I sat here and listed every team this motherfucker played for seconds ago. Yeah, no, I was picturing the picture and it was just the wrong jerseys. It's also tough because both Toronto and the Rangers have the exact same colors and have the exact same colored alternate jerseys. So, but that's why it was such a cool photo because it clashed. It's like USC versus UCLA. So Josie Bautista is interesting because he had this weird late peak where he led baseball in home runs twice, back-to-back years, 54 of them and 43 of them in 2011. Uh, led the American League in walks twice, and in one season led the led baseball in slugging OPS, OPS plus, and intentional walks. He got 
two top five MVP finishes and four top 10 MVP finishes, three silver sluggers, and was an all-star six seasons in a row. And is that enough to get into the Hall of Fame? Probably not. But he, here's here's Jose Bautista's yearly war again, just because I it, it's such a weird peak. I, I love it. 04 is like nothing. It's it's you played for four teams, all of with negative war, less than greater than negative one. I had to think about that. 05, negative 0.3, 06, negative 1.1, 07, negative 0.6. Like he's a whatever player. 08, negative 0.1. Like none of it matters. 09, he gets to Toronto. First full season with Toronto, 2.9. That's pretty fucking good. 2010, 7. 2011, 8.3. 2012, 3.8. 2013, 4.5. 2014, 6.9. 2015, 4.8. Rock fucking solid. 2016, 1.2. Last season in Toronto is 2017, negative one. Bad year. Then he shuffles around the NL East with the Braves, negative 0.4. The Mets, 1.2. And the Phillies, 0.4. That's all in 2018. And that's a... It's such an interesting mini peak that if he was closer, if he was closer to getting into the Hall of Fame, like by by, the, by our standard minimum, like if he was at fifty five WAR, I would say that weird little peak was so good, and he was such such a guy, it would push him over. But as much of a fun player as he was at that point, and as iconic of a moment like his bat flip was in the, what is that, the ALDS, ALCS? Um, Holy shit, the bat flip. 36 flip. It was a just straight up nuke. Just he staring hit, at He it. threw the bat as far as he uh, hit the ball. It became such a big thing. And then the next season was when Rugen Odor took exception because that was against the Rangers. Yeah. And that's why he got punched in the face. Like it, it was two iconic moments. Where like everybody who was a casual baseball fan weirdly knew the name Jose Bautista, who had been a nobody for so much of his career. It's such a fun story, but I don't think it quite overcomes mis- needing to almost double your war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a Hall of very good guy, to say the very least. But Hall of I Fun, definitely Hall, Hall, of Hall of Fun. fun. I'm sure. He makes the Canadian uh, Hall of Fame. Him and Joey Votto. Um, God, that meme, that photo, that whole bit, just whatever you want to classify it as should find its way into the Hall of Fame to some extent. Put put those sunglasses that threw up, uh, flew off his face, put those in the Hall of Fame somewhere. It's also so funny to consider, like, it's going to be such a weird thing looking back and being like, yeah, Rudet Odor was like, I don't know, 21 when that happened. <laughs> Which every time I hear that, it blows my fucking mind. It like we think sense. about old timey people like that, where you like you look at a picture of a guy who was 19 in 1936, and you're like, that man looks 50. Mm-hmm. That was Rude, that's Rudet Odor like today. Who just signed with the Padres? Congratulations. You have a pretty reliable bench guy, not Anything great, but fun and good enough. I was going to say, like, when I first saw that he signed, I thought it was with the Orioles because I'm used to them just, like, photoshopping jerseys now. 
Um, and then I was like, oh, it's with the Padres. That's not great. And then the more I thought about it, it's like, he's not touching the starting lineup. Right. He's going to be defensive. to have is like guys. the last guy on the bench. Exactly. He is. Uh, he's our a, team is just entirely middle infielders. As every team Actually. should be. <laughs> um, although, just speaking of which, we should talk about the big sign that the Padres had now that we've got, finally yes. wrapped up uh, getting to the Hall of Fame voting, which um, we've been putting off for forever. Manuel Machado uh, has signed a, a, a new contract with the San Diego Padres to the tune of 11 years, $350 million. It's a $45 million signing bonus, which will get spread out in, in terms of accounting purposes, gets spread out over the course of the contract, averages out the, the AAV in that way. Uh, an average annual salary of just about $32 million per year, um, which makes him essentially a uh, Padre for the remainder of his career. Uh, full no trade clause. I've seen some people say it makes him a Padre for the rest of his life, which I think is the wrong way to phrase it because it makes it sound like eighty-seven year old Manny Machado is conscripted to service in San Diego. Get out there and hit, old man. That's the way um, it should be, at the very least. Yeah, like, uh, sorry, kids. I'd love to get to know you more, but dad's. It's like the army, like they the a prison <laughs> army. The rest of your life, Manny. The rest of your fucking life. Um. But anyway, yes. So uh, there was a lot of rumor. We talked about it, whether or not he would opt out, because all signs pointed to, holy shit, my guy, money is being thrown at motherfuckers. Uh, you are going to opt out. And so the Padres made it worth his while not to. Corwin, resident Padres fan, are you wearing Padres gear or is that the lesser Pittsburgh this Steelers is, gear? This is the lesser Pittsburgh Steelers. I will say, um, you know how in the NFL – the universal acceptance of when running backs just get sent off to pastures like 28, 29, 30 at the absolute latest. Like 28 is when they decline. 30, you're basically a dead man walking. Yes, I'm aware. Is 41 just the year that GMs this year, this offseason, have just decided when we're going to basically kill off our players? Because everyone is signed through age 41. I think that the universal DH helps things a lot around around the league in general, not just in the mm-hmm. National League. And Manny's, you, I think it's also something to be said about how well we're expecting third baseman to age. Because you have so much room to get worse. I mean, and still be good. Very fair. Yeah. You know, like if you're a second baseman and you start to show signs of age, uh, like that's kind of rough. You know what I mean? There's nowhere lesser for you to go <laughs> other than first. But whereas if you're a third baseman and you're aging down, you can move, you can, you have the transitory step of second base to rely on. And Manny is a big enough guy, like physically, that he could probably man first base pretty readily. Um, oh, whereas a guy question. like, because, um, oh my God, it's oh, it's the offseason. I forgot everyone's name. Second baseman for the Houston Astros, Jose Altuve. Yes. Um, he can't play first because he is not big, and that sounds dumb. But the conventional wisdom behind first baseman is big guy, big target. 
lots of scoops, can catch wild and errant throws. And oh my god, could you imagine a fucking like rookie third baseman like just coming up into the big leagues trying to hit a target the size of Jose Altuve with a guy like Aaron Judge charging down at him? No. Or or how how deep of a split Jose Altuve would have to have. He'd have to like sink his nuts into the ground to catch a throw that a guy like uh, Anthony Rizzo can get without even hitting a knee on the ground. You know what I mean? Right, right. That is fun to think about. <laughs> and so Machado, I think that's also got to be part of the of the thinking here. I, I love this contract because money later is not money now and who cares? Number one. Exactly. Uh, number two, Ash is locked up tight, 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 baby. I mean, like knowing we talked about this so frequently in the past couple off seasons when we've been talking about uh, Aaron Judge's contract that he's gotten, uh, but also like the contracts that the Yankees haven't given out that they should have because they'd look like nothing now. Right. You know, like we, we've talked about why you wouldn't want to sign on for Josh Donaldson because what the, the money in the immediate means, whereas you might be very willing to sign on for a guy or to a guy like uh, Shohei Otani, because if you offer him a contract that's 12 years long, who fucking cares how bad he is in the in the, the eighth through 12th years? Because the millions of dollars he makes will be pennies in comparison to what they are now, just from not just inflation, but also expected gro- revenue growth from the league. So no one cares. We, 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 we've done this exercise. We looked at old contracts that have been given out that were massive at the time that they were given out that look like nothing now. I mean, in comparison to how the league is going, Giancarlo Stanton is nothing in terms of his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, who cares? Bryce Harper saying. The thing that I am most excited about with this is the blatant disregard for personal wealth from the owners of the Padres and how he's given out what feels like a billion dollars to sign this team and probably the largest contract of them all is still yet to come with Juan Soto and I honestly have more confidence now that he will be signed because if he's doing all this What's another major ass contract to sign Juan Soto? You you do if you're willing to really, pay for it. You're willing to pay for it. You do really get the feeling that that's part of what it's about, right? Yeah, is like convincing Soto to stay, which is, God, I mean, a good would, play. Imagine, it's a much... imagine ten more years of Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, and Juan, Juan Soto, Soto. All playing together. And Xander Bogarts, your highest paid player. Oh my god, and Xander Bogarts. Fuck me. What a Zandy core. B. The rest of the team after, you know, five years is going to be shit because I can't afford anybody else. But while we right got Right now. Him, sorry, go ahead. No, just right now. It's great. The, right now, the highest paid players on the team. Number one will be Manny Machado once his contract, I guess, maybe becomes official. Maybe that's what the baseball reference is waiting for or spot track is waiting for. Oh, I should say the, the breakdown of his contract will be as such uh, his adjusted salary for 2023 is $4 million. But I, I think that's just 
being put on top of his other contract. I'm not sure that's going to be his total pay for the year. That doesn't seem right based on his previous contract. So ignoring 2023. Uh, in 2024 and 5, it'll be 17 mil. 2026, it'll be 25. And then from 2027 all the way through 2033, it'll be $39.1 million per year. So it'll it'll ramp up heading into the uh, age, into the 2027 baseball season, which is Manny Machado's age 34 season. Um, God damn. On one, on one hand, this makes Fernando Tatis' contract look fucking amazing as long as he stops being a fucking moron. And on the other hand, it makes what Atlanta doing feel fucking criminal. Criminal. In large part because it is. But, yeah. Leaving that to I the think, side. I think it will never happen because they don't have the power to do so. But I think the MLB Players Association should fucking stampede that front office in Atlanta and force those contracts to be voided. That would be great. Um, and all the players receiving damages. Um, the In 2027, when Manny Machado's contract ramps up to 39 mil, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s contract ramps up to 25 mil. Uh, and Mach- uh, Tatis's contract reaches its highest value from a the 2029 season, then through the 2034 season, which holds steady at $36.7 million. So between that 36.7 and Machado's 39.1, you're looking at a, a solid $75.8 million between those two players. Or like five seasons, four seasons. Five Super seasons. casual pocket change. Pennies, pennies on the dollar. Um, According to Statista, which is a, a website I found just now, um, in 2021, the Padres' revenue was $282 million, um, although that's still partially a COVID season. In 2019, it was $299 million. Um, so one would expect in 2022, this past season, it was probably right around of probably north of 300 mil, and one could expect that going forward. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty healthy uh, revenue. $223 million payroll. Heading into 2023, $223 million. Should be higher. It It feels like it should be higher. For reference, in 2013, the Padres' revenue was $207 million. This year, their payroll is $16 million, more than that. A decade has also passed, (laughs) in which many things have changed. But That math just doesn't check out. It really doesn't. It's amazing, but it's also amazing. Like, there's such a leap in when the Padres get good in their revenue. Mm-hmm. It's like it's oh God, it's yeah. it's stupid. It's so stupid that every team doesn't do this. It is only good for your team. It is exclusively good for the owners' pockets to do this. Uh, but does that necessarily generate you know fifty million dollars in revenue? Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, <laughs> fucking do it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you 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 really like 
no fewer than 50%, no fewer than 75% of all sports owners in the world are essentially like Marquise de Sade characters who are just really getting off on the punishment of the of everyone underneath them. So uh, misogynistic assholes. Marquise de Sade. I think I pronounced his name wrong. Anyway. Yeah. Um it's huge. Love it. Love you, Manny. Um, it's also so easy. It's so easy to give money to a man who is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> it's not even funny. Right now, right, right now, as we're as we're talking, Manny Machado, 52 war. He has eleven years to go. Is he a Hall of Famer right now? I don't want a discussion that we just had with a bunch of other guys. I don't even want to think about it because I'm enjoying the fact that he's playing too much. Like I don't even want to consider the fact that he would be retiring because he ah he was the thing I hated the most about the Orioles when he was there because he was so good and such a fun looking guy to like watch play ball. Same thing I I hated Mookie Betts when he was with the Red Sox. Like it's like oh I love watching you play. Must you play for rivals? He genuinely has like a, a a Hall of Fame career right now. Like, I know it's not the 60 threshold that we just talked about, but, like, the way it's spread out, the longevity, even now, like, this is a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, he's probably going to break three uh, 2,000 hits in uh, probably three seasons, maybe at the start of a fourth season. Um, he's going to break 300 home runs this year, which is, like, nuts. Uh, which means he'll probably, in all likelihood, end up retiring with at least 500 uh, should he stay relatively healthy over the next 11 seasons. So, uh, I mean, just goddamn, what a stupid career. What an absolutely stupid career. He should have more than two gold gloves. It's fucking criminal that he doesn't. He should. He should also have more than zero World Series rings. All right, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, get fucked. I'm excited. Yeah. Big baseball contracts make me excited for more big baseball. Um, but we can move on from baseball if you if uh unless you have anything else uh before we get to the football topics. Say that again. Football time. Jeez, uh how much do we have to talk about? I know well, it's actually, a lot, but like I lied. I have one other baseball topic and then then we can move on to football if we if we so choose. Um, the pitch clock has been implemented, as it is. Oh. We all got told it would. Yes. Um, and now that spring spring training games are happening and they're being broadcast, it feels like all of a sudden people are surprised that there is an enforcement mechanism behind it. Um, as there have been uh, numerous threads about the enforcement of the pitch clock, both on the batter's uh, end and the pitcher's end. So I guess to that effect, uh, Corwin, what are your thoughts so far about how the implementation has been going? I don't remember what my initial reaction was when we first broached the idea of, you know, the ownership and, and Major League Baseball voting this into existence for MLB and not just the minors. But everything I've seen so far, it is absolutely fucking game changing. Like it is world changing for baseball with how much easier it is to watch when you don't have 
30, 40 second, just, I don't even know what you call it, just resets between every lulls. pitch. They're lulls yeah. in action. It is so infinitely more watchable for an everyday fan. Like, don't get me wrong. I follow along with baseball for the entire league as close as, you know, one can when not watching 162 games. I guarantee you I will completely eclipse the amount of games I've watched the past three years this season because of how much easier it's going to be and enjoyable to watch it. Yeah, which is like the fucking point. I mean, everyone I know in general with sports, this has become an issue, right? Where the Mm -hmm. games are full of bloat and a large portion of that is the advertising, which we can all acknowledge because there's, there's more ad breaks today in I mean, not just in in sports, in all types of media you consume than than there were 15 years ago, right? 30 years ago. Um, That is what it is. But baseball has this unique problem where because there's no clock, which is, I I think, an advantage the game has, right? It's part of what makes Mm -hmm. it unique. Uh, Because there's no clock, there's also no mitigating factor from the player's perspective. And while that might not be needed in some instances because there are certain players or certain pace aspects that you know incite the players to or incent them to to pick things up there is nothing that kind of forces you to and so it leads to some players at least at the exchange we all hate which is batters stand in the box the pitcher's getting the signals the pitcher doesn't like the signals so he shakes his shakes it off, and then the batter's like, "Ah, oh, the pitcher's taking too long." So the batter steps out of the box, and then the pitcher has to look down the batter because he feels like he got shown up. And then he goes to the signs, and the pitcher steps off the mound, and then the batter steps out of the box, and all of a sudden you're like two minutes in for a fastball low and away ball three to get delivered, and you're like, "Fuck me." Mm-hmm. The video that Pitching Ninja posted that I know I sent to you yes, uh, showing a comparison of an entire half inning of baseball versus a single, uh, I almost want to say it was Fernando Rodney, but I don't remember exactly who the pitcher was, with, you know, two checks at second base, step-offs, you know, from the mound multiple times, just the absolute teeth. Pedro Baez. Thank you. Oh, of course, pointing to the heavens as if to say something that Buster Olney said years ago that is the best clip of all time. I lost my train of thought. Um, it's just, it's so blatantly. Bob improved. Costas. Bob Costas, thank you. Not Buster Olney. Um, yeah. Yes, Get yes, fucked, yes. Corbin. <laughs> I am, listen, if you're going to poke fun at my memory and ability to speak, you're going to be fighting. Absolutely no one. I'll be right I'm, there. I'm you. really just showing off right now because I never have this kind of recollection. <laughs> if you listen to our movies podcast, my ability to recall character names I just mentioned are is pathetic. We almost exclusively uh, use actor names because I can't do the character. I don't names know anyone's yeah, name is. Shows I've watched for years, I don't know who everyone's name is. I watch Abbott Elementary. I've been watching Abbott Elementary since it, since it first came on air last year or two years ago, whatever it was, I don't know a goddamn character's name. <laughs> I only so, know actors' names. I don't know a goddamn character's name. I really wanted to sit down and watch that with Quinn because she's, you know, an elementary 
age school teacher. We always, you know, struggle to find TV She's shows. She's an elementary both. age school teacher. She is a gainfully employed minor. God damn it. Um, <laughs> Corbin accidentally and, ending up on a list. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really enjoyed the first episode and she couldn't buy into it. Boo, fuck I you. Kinda wanna, I kind of want to finish it, but I also like, that's not the show I want to be dedicating like my free TV show watching to. You know what I mean? I no, I don't. I watch the things that make me happy. So, yeah, but like that's an easy just like throw it on for twenty minutes. You don't have to like yeah. I'm watching Succession now, trying to rewatch that. If you miss a sentence or like half oh, a conversation, rough, yeah. that it's awful. I feel like I could miss a conversation in Abbott Elementary and still, you know, oh yeah, watch it, every episode of that show. It's the show that you watch while you're also scrolling through Instagram, but you don't miss anything right. because it's easy enough to follow that you're still in all the jokes. Yeah, right. I don't mean the scrolling through Instagram thing derisively. Like we all need a show where we can kind of sort of tune out a little bit, but still be watching. Like yes. that's an important piece of modern media. But anyway, this is not, we this do not the show. Um, fucking the pitch clock. Right. Yes. Players are currently being penalized for it. Like there was that big to do. And I think like Good. the Atlanta Boston spring training game where it was bottom of the ninth and bases were loaded and there was two outs and two strikes and the batter didn't get in the box fast enough. So he got strike three and they went to the 10th and it's like, everyone was like, Oh, this isn't baseball. It's like, fuck you. You want the batter to take more uh, to take longer to get in the box. It's spring training. Also who fucking cares? I was in a party with Dan, my college roommate who lives up in Boston as he was watching that live. And it sounded like we were watching game seven of the world series. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Hilarious. No, just like the absolute, like me, I was watching the game. I don't know. Just like the silence to absolute ear shocking commotion of like trying to figure out what just happened. Like regardless, it was hilarious. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if like the ums are being a little bit more particular in spring training to kind of acclimate everybody who hasn't had to deal with this to to the new environment, raise some awareness by being like very strict. I'm not sure how you could be lenient in this situation with something as firm as 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 a clock. It is probably the most firm thing in baseball in a world in which we're, you know, questioning where a strike zone is the nature between foul balls and, and fair balls, which is can sometimes be tenuous. Um, what a check swing is one of the few things that probably does have a lot of clarity is time, but regardless um, it's spring. Also, so it's spring training. Don't give a shit. Stop caring. If you're caring about spring training, stop. If you, if you are concerned about spring training, uh, don't, don't be. Mm-hmm. Did you see the spring training incident with, I don't know, maybe the Orioles, where they were, or it was the Pirates and maybe the Orioles, who fucking knows. Um, the game ended because the home team was winning, you know, seven to four. I think I saw this, yeah. So the umpires left the field, but both teams decided, hey, let's just finish out this game and just continue to play baseball. Um, yes. No, no adults, no chaperones, just running wild. Mom and dad left. <laughs> they made they made Tostino's pizza rolls in the dugout. <laughs> Loaded up gremlins too. 
good time. Good time. Good time in the dugout that night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just want to also shout out this tweet from Jeff Passan uh, from five days ago, six days ago, as you're listening to this. Time of game for Mariners Padres, two hours, 29 minutes. Time of game for Rangers Royals, two hours, 33 minutes. Um, and he acknowledges the fact that it's a small sample size in spring training, so it doesn't really make mean too, too much. But in a world where baseball has become a, like, three and a half hour long event chopping off an hour uh is a pretty big thing again that's to be seen with full-length ad breaks and probably maybe not probably maybe some like more pitching changes or or more offense that causes the the games to be longer which of course is an option but man the idea of a two and a half hour long game where it's not like a zero one shutout win Mm -hmm. is exciting as like a fan and of football and golf who, you know, they're also facing the same issues with over advertising, watching them make small incremental changes feels like a big win because of how much of a difference it makes watching baseball cut an hour just right off the top. No questions asked one simple change, which it's a big change. Don't get me wrong. Like it's going to cause some, crazy highlights and low lights throughout the season, but one single rule to make this big of a difference without changing the play on the field is just jaw dropping. Just Amazing. just to elucidate what that really looks like. Imagine it is Wednesday. You have finished your work day. You make dinner, all that shit. You're done at like six 30 game starts at seven. In 2022, that seven o'clock game doesn't wrap up till 11, uh, 1030. Mm-hmm. Maybe if, if it's a, if it's a big scoring game, 11 o'clock at night. Now that as, game will, it, hypothetically, that game could end at 930. Worst case 10. As a Padres fan who regularly has to watch games starting at nine, 10 o'clock at night, meaning I don't get to watch the end of that game on a Friday night. I can stay up and watch a Padres game. It wouldn't end at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I can't. I'm 25 years old. I'm no longer physically able to stay up till one in the morning. Or do they put you to sleep before that? Oh, <laughs> the orderlies come hey, in and, and usher you, you were, to bed. You were there for New Year's, right? Or you weren't there for New Year's. That was no, I wasn't. Else. Regardless, yeah. what what was the thing we went to at Ethan? Where were there? Like Super Bowl. Like no, it wasn't the Super Bowl. Harry's birthday. Yes. I don't know what time we left, but it was far too late for me. Like ten thirty, it was. It wasn't. It was not late. Like it, really, the only reason I left was I had to drive an hour and a half home. Like it was not late. <laughs> I um, live a mile away. Yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> you could have walked there. Um, the other big thing is that Yankees broadcasts every now and then during the season start at six thirty, which means a six thirty game, two and a half hours. The game's done by like nine. That's bedtime. Oh, oh that's so. It's so good. So good. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, do you, you have and Kel are happy? Uh, happy as could be. Yeah. Do you have anything else do you still about rock the, the uh, two TV setup in your living room solely for dream. baseball? It's a dream for baseball season. If you if you are a, a baseball fan out there who goes, I love baseball, but my wife hates it. And she won't spend time with me while I'm watching the game. And I also consequently love my wife or girlfriend and would like to spend time with them. Get a second TV. Did you know what you don't need? To listen to the baseball game. It's true. 
Um, I was. Just I like Michael Caine. Thinking, man, I don't need to like, hear him. Uh, I don't really have enough space for like a full second TV. I wish I just had like a little portable one I could bring out when I need it and just kind of you know position where I need it. And then I looked down at you on my laptop and thought, oh, I'm a fucking moron. I have the internet on a little yes. tiny screen that can go anywhere. If only I had like a 16 to 18 inch screen somewhere that I could move anywhere, do anything with. Right here. Uh, I have a 15 inch screen, six inches from my face. <laughs> the perfect distance, <laughs> just long enough. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, All right. You got any other baseball thoughts, yes. or uh, should we actually just get out of here? We can save football for later. Yeah, I think we should wrap it up. All right. Well, uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you like to follow Corin on Twitter, you can do so at Corin Heller. If you like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. Now we're going to try to get one ready for you. So until Monday, I'm going to try to get that one back going. Y'all have a good one. Bye.